Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to a crafty episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Arnie. I'm Marjorie. We've got a big episode this week. Bonnie Burton is going to be joining us talking about the Star Wars craft book that's due in stores tomorrow. It's a great book. I got an advanced copy for the interview. I've been having a lot of fun with it and making different things and my own things. Just having fun. I can't wait to use it with my niece and to make stuff with her. But first, here is Justin bringing us Cozy's Collecting Headline News. Hey everybody, Justin here with a look at what's going on in stores and online around the galaxy and around the corner. Well, last time I told you about the mini Lego ATST at Target in the Easter section, and since then I've developed a little bit of an addiction to these mini sets. Over at Walmart, they have a couple of mini sets at $4 each as well. They have an awesome X Wing and a So So TIE Fighter. Now, I'm not sure if these sets are exclusive to Walmart, but they are in a shipper display on the end caps, and they also have a few other non Star Wars sets mixed in. I think there was a Atlantis one and some sort of race car one, but not bad for $4 and a little bit of fun to play with there. And after building these mini sets and finding myself wanting more, I decided to check out the Lego section at Toys R Us, and lo and behold, they had set two. Now this one looks like it might be a little older because it's in the, the red logo package instead of the new bluish cool Clone Storm Ryzen, but it's sweet nonetheless. It's a mini Republic attack shuttle. It's got little foldable wings that go up and down, and, and it's pretty sweet. Now all in all, these little sets I think are worth the $4 and the 15 minutes or so of fun that you get while putting them together. So I hope they continue to make more of them. Now, Lego Star Wars 3 hit stores this week. I haven't played Lego Star Wars in a while, but but this one might show up in the kids' Easter basket this year. So I can, well, I mean, maybe, maybe the kids can play. Now, once you finish playing Lego Star Wars, head on over to Target, where they're having a sale on some of their Lego sets, like the Wampa Cave for $36, the TIE Defenders marked at $40, and Cad Bane Speeder, the bigger ship, is marked at $45. But they also have those cool Troop Builder Battle Packs for only $10, and that's a couple dollar savings on those. It's a great way to get some of the cool minifigs. You can get a four-pack of Mandos. It also builds a little bit of a Speeder and another little set in there. And they also have a uh, Clone Pack, too, with a couple of orange clones and a couple other ones in there too so those are those are great sets and not a bad price at ten dollars each now according to the shelf tags the prices on the bigger sets are good until the 9th of april 
However, the $10 sale on the Troop Battle Packs looks like it's good until the 23rd. So head on over there and snap up some Legos. I also found some stuff over at Marshall's. You know, the discount store where you never really find anything but older stuff? Well, that's exactly what they have, but they've got it decently priced, especially if you missed this stuff the first time around, or you just didn't want to pay full price on it. Now, there's not a whole bunch of rhyme or reason as to what they're getting or stocking, because I saw the Commander Rex roleplay helmets that were marked at $17, but they also had the remote control Flying Republic gunship for $25, and I'd assume that means that some locations would probably have the Jedi Starfighter one as well. Now, if you missed out on those cool 3D kites from a few years back, Marshall's is the place to be. They had the full selection of ships, including the Falcon, the X-Wing, and Vader's TIE Fighter, for the low price of only $13. I don't quite remember what the original retail on those were, but I know it was more than $13. So I never got any of those before, but I remember Arnie was freaking out about getting them when they were out and brand new. So if you want some cool kites, they'd also make some good Easter gifts, I'd head on over to Marshall's. Well, it's been a week or so since the new Clone Wars figures have been showing up at Walmart, so that means they should probably start to pop up at Toys R Us and Target as well pretty soon. Keep an eye out for that Aqua Battle Droid and LS, which Reverend Strone reminded me was the other clone trainer along with Sergeant Brick from an episode that has aired. So thank you for that, Strone. Now, because both of those figures are blinking you missed it type of figures that you won't want to miss out on. According to Hasbro's Toy Fair presentation, Wave 11 is slated for April, so that should be hitting pegs soon with new figure awesomeness like Eat Koth, Bear Sophie, the Red Leader Arc Trooper, and Riot Gear clone that comes with a really nifty translucent shield, so you can bet I'll be grabbing a few of those. Also, the new deluxe figure packs are slated to hit retail chain soon, so keep your eyes peeled for an Obi-Wan and his attack shuttle, Baby Boba and his speeder, and who isn't chomping at the bit for Grievous and his mini wheel bike? Hmm? Hmm? All right. Anyway, Vintage Wave 6 is slowly but surely starting to rear its head at Walmart and Toys R Us of all places. And if you find a Jabba Sail Barge R2 swinging on the pegs, it's a good chance that you might have missed the rest of them as it's being packed forward with that new revision case. Now, this would be a good wave to consider buying a case online because the figures are packed in from older waves like that R2 and other good ones like the Troop Builders and the Senate Guard and the Stormtrooper. So if you haven't got any of those or you want to get a few more of the other ones, this is one you might consider buying online. Now, around this time of year, spring, Easter-ish, is when Target usually surprises us with some sort of neat exclusive set or a bunch of sets or just something that we weren't necessarily sure was showing up at Target or when. I'm guessing we might be seeing the new vintage nine packs showing up at Target here in the next few weeks, if not if not three or four weeks from now. That'd be an awesome set to go with the original ones that we got back before Christmas, so keep your fingers crossed. Maybe we'll be seeing those soon. If you're getting tired and frustrated with never finding new figures in the store, then head on over to Brian's Toys where you can pre-order case-fresh carded figures from the upcoming Clone Wars and Vintage Waves. You're not going to want to miss some of these sure-to-be hard-to-find figures like the Low Gray and the Arc Trooper <clears throat> that may or may not be Fordo and the Riot Gear clone that we talked about before. And also, while you're there, check out the pre-orders they have for the latest Gentle Giant vintage 12-inch jumbo figures like Obi-Wan and the Cloth Cape Jawa. And you can still save $15 on any in-stock purchase of $75 or more by entering that coupon code of 15OFF. That's 1-5-O-F-F. And that's good through April 15th. So don't forget, when you're checking out, mention that you heard about Brian's Toys from Star Wars Action News. Over at Sideshow, they've posted a teaser image of their next 12-inch clone trooper, and it's Commander Bly. Very cool looking figure that comes with both his phase one and phase two helmets just like 
Cody does. Now, personally, I've been holding out on these clone commanders, but I'm not sure if I can say no to the eventual commander Gree that we're building up to, so I may end up going back and getting these other ones as well, because they look great. They're putting weathering on them. They're not the clean whiteies that you'd seen before. They're, they're looking really good. So click on over to Sideshow's site and check out the picture that they have up there for now, and they're starting to take pre-orders on March 31st. There's a new official one-sheet for the new Kubrick DX Series 3 that's been released, and it's showing off all the coolness of a New Hope wave, which was inspired by the vintage figures. This wave includes your farm boy Luke with a poncho and a hat, Obi-Wan with a vinyl cape, R5-D4, Sand Trooper with a probe droid, you get a Tusken Raider with a vinyl cape, Grindin, and if you collect all six, you get to build a really kick-A Luke's Landspeeder, which looks awesome. And these are scheduled to ship in July, so head on over to your favorite purveyor of Kubricks and lock down your pre-order now. Well, the fine folks over at Acne Archives are at it again this week and trying their hardest to get into our wallets with a handful of new pieces. First up is the stunning Empire Revisited Deluxe. Fine art on velvet paper by Lawrence Noble. As the title suggests, this piece is a revisitation, if that's even a word, of Mr. Noble's original Empire work done, redone now with over 30 years of hindsight, and the result is an amazing piece that is extremely limited in numbers. I'm talking like only 50. Now for those of you that are going to order this, you're going to have your choice of a remark put on there by Lawrence Noble himself, and you get your choice of either a Yoda or a Boba Fett, which happen to be the two characters that he now wishes he would have been able to include on the original Empire art. So very cool piece head over there and check it out now acme is also showing two new with you pieces by sunio sanda i apologize if i'm murdering your name sunio however the first one features chewie and han and the other one is a portrait of old obi-wan and luke and these aren't really my personal style but they're nice all the same they kind of look like portraits one guy looking over the shoulder of the other one not my cup of tea but very well done so head over there and take a look at those if that's your type of thing now some items that were shown at C5 are finally making their way out from Hallmark. It's their line of gift-type items that includes glassware, coffee mugs, travel mugs, with sound, picture frames, sound buttons, desktop sentiments, and a bottle opener shaped like Vader's helmet. They feature quotes from the Star Wars films and will be available at Hallmark stores starting in April. So if you're into those kind of tchotchke things, get over to Hallmark this April and you'll be able to pick these up. And finally this week, Scott from Tulsa has sent along word that the Hasbro gift card promo items are starting to arrive. So if you take advantage of that post-Christmas promotion, keep your eyes peeled for a plain brown box to hit your doorstep soon. But according to Scott, don't expect your items to arrive in mint condition because it seems they aren't using any packing materials to pad them from damage. Oh well, what can you expect from a freebie? Thanks for the info, Scott. And don't forget, if you are into Marvel collecting, join Arnie, Marjorie, and myself at MarveliciousToys.com where we discuss all the Marvelicious stuff going on in the Marvel Universe. Well, that's what's going on in stores and online. So until next time, keep on collecting, and I'll see you in the toy aisle. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Justin. And joining us now is Bonnie Burton from StarWars.com and author of the Star Wars Craft Book. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yourself? Awesome. Now... The community is abuzz with the Star Wars Crafts book. For those listeners who may not be familiar with you already, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Lucasfilm? 
Okay. Well, I'm one of the editors of StarWars.com. There's a handful of us. Actually, there's three of us that write the content. So all the information that you see on StarWars.com done by a few of us, and uh, we write about everything about collecting and pop culture and Star Wars. There's kids' content, like drawing tutorials and crafts, as well as games. Um, we have soundboards. We have, you know, character descriptions, kind of like an online encyclopedia, if you will, of every single character, robot, ship, technology, artifact, droid uh, that you can imagine. Um, we have online web comics. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff going on StarWars.com. So if you visited, you'll probably waste a good amount of time there or enrich your time, depending on how you want to look at it. And what I do is I am one of the head writers of the blog as well. So the blog on StarWars.com has a lot of pop culture references. Anytime I see Star Wars referenced on a TV show like Bones or Big Bang Theory or My Life is Liz or Family Guy or what have you, I often document it on there. And also a lot of fan activities, you know, whether the 501st or Rebel Legion are up to some fun or any of our authors have, you know, interviews on different blogs and websites. I like to shout out to them and let fans know where they can read more. And, of course, my favorite thing is anytime fans send me Star Wars cakes or crafts that they do themselves, I give them a little shout out on the block as well. So there's quite a bit of stuff that I do at StarWars.com, but we're all pretty busy here. So it's an equal amount of fun, busy work for sure. So how long have you been a Star Wars fan? I've been a fan since I was a kid. I'm pretty sure I was a fan probably right when it started. I mean, I was born in 72. All I remember is I remember going to see Star Wars at a drive-in, which probably not a lot of people know what a drive-in is. It's actually, you know, you go to a movie in a car and you see it in your car outside. And it's one of those things that I think is a dying experience. I don't even think there's drive-ins anymore. There are. I have no idea, but I grew up in the Midwest. Are there? Yeah, we actually are in the Midwest, and we have one in our town that they resurrected and brought back. They built a new one. Oh, awesome. No, it's bad picture and bad sound quality, <laughs> but, you know, it's well, kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing it with Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, my God, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it was a double feature because it came out the same year. So it was one of those moments where I think my young little mind thought that Burt Reynolds was Han Solo for, like, the longest time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're one year older than I am, and they were the hot guys back then. Yeah, they that was pretty crazy. But, I, you know, it's I've been a fan since I was a kid. So, But I was also a fan of the original Battlestar Galactica and Doctor Who. So sci-fi has always been a part of my childhood. No, it wasn't always a part of my family like lifestyle. So I kind of felt like an alien in the Midwest because I had no one to talk to about this stuff. But later I did. How did you turn that fandom into a career at Lucasfilm? I've been doing journalism for a long time. I've written for magazines like Wired and uh, when Yahoo had a magazine called Yahoo Internet Life, I wrote for them. There's a magazine called The Net. So I've always written about pop culture in different online magazines and print magazines. And I was entertainment editor at At Home Network and Excite and AOL. So I've always been involved somehow in entertainment media. And it was just an ad on Craigslist, which I have to, you know, let you know that if you ever look for a dream job, Craigslist sometimes has them. And it was they were looking for someone 
in uh, online who understood online culture but also understood sci-fi and had a love for Star Wars. And I just applied for the job on a whim. Didn't think in a zillion years I'd even get an interview because, I mean, when Lucasfilm calls, I'm pretty sure everyone responds. So, <laughs> But I'm very glad I got the job. So I'm happy to be here. I've been here since 2003. So it's been a really fun job here. It's, uh, it's uh, always changing because, you know, online is always changing. So as a website develops and, and gets new features and and look and feel. We all our jobs kind of shift a little, and we get to do new stuff all the time. So it's it's a really fun opportunity. I, I definitely feel lucky for sure. I definitely feel like the midichlorian counts higher. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, you've been known for doing the crafts on the official Star Wars side. I think that's how a lot of people they jump to the crafts right away and say, "Oh, Bonnie does those." How did you get started doing the craft projects on StarWars.com? Well, we used to have a section. We used to have a separate kids site. Other than it, you know. Like I said, StarWars.com, it changes quite a bit. I mean, we have redesigns all the time. We like to do the latest, coolest thing and, and keep up to date. So every time we have a redesign, sometimes things uh, get changed or they get, you know, taken off the site or what have you. And we didn't have a kids section. We had a, a separate kids website called StarWarsKids.com. And we decided to integrate that into the StarWars.com main site. And we didn't really know what we were going to put in there because, you know, the website had been totally different than StarWars.com. So I kind of just upon myself said, hey, do you mind if I try some things out? Like one of the things that I remember a lot of parents and kids who come up to me at conventions and say that they love to draw Star Wars stuff. And, you know, were, do we have any plans about doing any drawing books? And at the time, we didn't. And the, drawing, the only drawing book that was out was, I think, from 85 or something like that, or in the 80s, mid-80s. And Star Wars Insider Magazine had some drawing tutorials, but they weren't always consistently putting them in the magazine. So I was like, well, we've got plenty of talented artists that we use for, um, you know, a myriad of projects. Why don't we do a drawing section? And so we started a drawing tutorial section on StarWars.com where a bunch of different artists with different styles would show how to draw step-by-step, how to draw Star Wars characters and, and vehicles and scenes. And then I just kind of snuck in the craft section because when I was a little kid, I remember not only drawing a ton of Star Wars pictures, but I would make my own toys and just kind of have fun making little dioramas and pretending I was an island model maker and <laughs> and do all these projects. And, you know, I would sew little Star Wars characters on my clothes and do all that sort of thing. So I figured I would just sort of sneak in the section. And we did a test run where we republished some crafts from Bantha Tracks. I think a TIE Fighter uh, ornament, uh, Christmas ornament, was the first craft we put up on the site. And it got a lot of traffic and a lot of response, and so we just kept doing it. And it just became, along with the drawing tutorials, you know, one of the most popular sections of the kid, the kid area at StarWars.com. And more and more parents would send me pictures of their kids' crafts, or they'd say this was a great thing to do for, you know, summer camp or after-school activities or, you know, church camp or whatever. Um, and it was really fun. So I'd have, like, Boy Scout and Girl Scout troops both, you know, uh, their dead moms sending me pictures of them making puppets and making fun, you know, Star Wars gear. And it just kind of took off. So I'm really glad. I'm glad that people like doing lo-fi things as well as, you know, online-only things. Because I think people forget that, you know, kids don't just play video games. They like to make things. They like to be creative. They like to express themselves in different ways. And so this was a great way where kids could show off their Star Wars pride, but also show that they like doing things hands-on as well. I think the cutest thing that I have found that has been on there so far is the Bantha 
He is just, yeah. his little face is just adorable. And maybe it's because I love puppies and he looks like a little puppy. How did you come up with the idea to do that? Was that your idea or did you collaborate with some people? Yeah, no, all the crafts on the center are my idea, uh, you know, unless it's somebody else's idea. And if it is, I, I give them a byline. But I would say almost, you know, 98% of the crafts are mine on the site. Yeah, the Bantha was an interesting thing. I'm a big fan of the Star Wars um, holiday special, and I know it's kind of controversial because not every fan appreciates it, but um, there's a scene where Lumpy, who's Chewbacca's son, is playing with a stuffed Bantha toy, and the stormtrooper comes up to his room and rips it to shreds, and it was such a heartbreaking scene to see. And I realized that we've never sold a Bantha plushie. Like, there's never been a licensed Bantha toy that's ever been sold. And I was like, well, I bet I can make that out of felt. So I just kind of looked at it and realized, you know, you can make a felt body that kind of looks like a loaf of bread. You you make little cylinders and stuff them with uh, stuffing, and those could be the legs. The Bantha horns are just, you know, kind of a, a spiral. And uh, and then you cover it with fake fur, and fake fur covers up really bad sewing mistakes. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> so you don't really have to be a good sewer to make this. And so I just got fake fur that looked like uh, Bantha fur and button eyes for eyes and you know, just kind of figuring out the mouth by just extra felt pieces. And it was pretty easy. I mean, I did it in one day, and it's a fun craft, and most kids can do it. I mean, it's it's some sewing, but it's easy sewing, and you don't have to be a good sewer. And uh, it's kind of like a cuddly bantha. And in the in the book, we gave his hair, his fur, a little bit of a makeover, so he almost has Bieber, Justin Bieber-like hair. I noticed that. Yeah, he's got emo bangs. He's kind of a hipster bantha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's cute, though. So if you were into Doctor Who and all of this as a kid. How did you get started with all of these crafty type projects? My mom was a teacher and a a children's librarian as well. And she used to bring home a lot of magazines like Highlights and Cricket and Ranger Rick and Dynamite and, you know, like a, a lot of these types of magazines you would have gotten in the Scholastic Book Fair or something like that. And they always had crafts in the back. And I was such an artsy kid that we had sort of in our playroom down in the basement, there's a whole section that just were, you know, stuff that I would take out of the recycling and use for crafts, like toilet paper rolls and, you know, old magazines that I would cut up or do paper mache with. And just, you know, reams and reams of felt, lots of glitter, lots of scraps of fabric, because my mom used to do quilts, so I would just take whatever fabric that she wasn't going to use, and I would make dolls and things like that. And the reason I started making stuff is, A, we were poor. So <laughs> I don't mean like dirt poor, like Oliver Twist, Dickens kind of poor. But, you know, we didn't have a lot of money going towards toys. So the toys that my brother and I did have, you know, we definitely took care of them. And, you know, they were toys that we didn't just throw around and not care about. I mean, they were things of value to us. But there were also things I wanted that just didn't exist. So I figured out really quickly if that there's no toy out there, I'll make it. And granted, it wasn't professional level because when you're a little kid, you're a little kid and you make do with what your talents that you have at the time. But um, I really loved making crafts. And at Christmas, I'd always get a craft uh, kit, you know, some sort of like pot holder, loom maker or, you know, friendship bracelet kit or something like that. So there was always ways to show off your geekdom in different ways. Like, you know, those... They had the beads that were letters, and you could spell out your name and make a necklace out of those. I would always write Star Wars or Yoda or something like that. Like, I would spell out my favorite character name instead. So there's always workarounds doing things where you can show off your geekdom. But a lot of times, you know, pet rocks were big back then. 
So I remember painting a rock to look like Chewbacca, and I actually have that craft in the craft book. So there's a lot of crafts that I did as a kid that I incorporated into the book as well. Like um, I was in 4-H, so one of my favorite things to do were make uh, apple dolls, which you just shrink down apples, and they make these creepy-looking faces. And uh, I used to make shrunken head-type dolls, like horror dolls, because I was a big horror movie fan. And as I was looking through my old, you know, a lot of my old crafts that I had, I realized that it looks a lot like Emperor Palpatine because his face was all shriveled up. So I was like, you know, the Emperor kind of looks like an Apple doll. So I made Emperor Appletine for the craft book. So there's lots of old school crafts in there as well. How could they not have an Emperor Appletini in the Hoth Ice Bar now that you've said that? <laughs> I know. It just kind of goes well, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. How did you take the craft section and decide to make it a book? What inspired you to do that? Well, it's, you know, a lot of it is we just give the fans what they want. And uh, I would be stopped at conventions and, you know, any kind of appearances I did at, like, Maker Fair, which is a science convention that we have here. But I think it's around different parts of the country as well. And people would just come up to me and say, we love your crafts. Is this ever going to be in a book? And, you know, once you get the demand for it, then you roll with it from there. And I just, I think I just pursued it and, you know, worked with our book division here, Lucas Books and Licensing, and a publisher. They found a publisher that was interested, and it went from there. So, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to Random House for wanting to do this book. And I think a lot of fans have been wanting something like this. We've had cookbooks that Chronicle had done, and there were some crafts thrown in there. Um, like, I think the Death Star Pinata, and there were some, like, costume things you could make for parties. But there wasn't a definitive craft book. There were some old-school activity books with mazes and things like that that would have a craft thrown in. I think those were the books from the 80s. But, like I said, there was no just one book of crafts. And there's a huge crafting community out there that loves Star Wars. So, you know, not just kids, like girls in their, you know, girls in their 20s and teens, moms, grandparents, dads, guys who just want to make something cool and not have to build a complete R2-D2, you know, $5,000 robot. They want to just make a felt one. You know, there's there's lots of different crafting levels um, and interests out there. And so hopefully this book fits all that. There's lots of easy crafts for little kids. There's advanced crafts for crocheters. There's paper, a really, you know, involved paper mache craft for people who want to challenge. There's crafts for, you know, guys and girls, so it's not ski towards gender. So there's, if you've never picked up, a, you know, a sewing needle, if you've never even shopped for felt, you know, if you just like putting googly eyes on your condiments in your refrigerator, there's, there's crafts for everybody. <laughs> so for those of you who have followed your crafts on StarWars.com, how many of the crafts in the book are going to be new to them? A lot. There's a very small percentage of the crafts that are on StarWars.com in the book. I tried to pick the best of, you know, obviously the Bantha is one that's very popular. Admiral Sackbar, which is the Admiral Akbar Sack Puppets and others. So there's there's some that people will recognize off the site. The reason that I wanted to have some from the site in the book as well is, like I said, StarWars.com goes through redesigns all the time. And sometimes things disappear off the site, and sometimes things just don't come back. So I wanted to make sure there was a place of permanency for some of those crafts because, uh, you know, the web is ever-changing and you never know if those things are going to last forever online. Um, but also just the more popular crafts because um, there's a ton of crafts on StarWars.com and some of them worked well in the book and others were just kind of like fun things to do that didn't that weren't quite as cool as some of the other ones. So I tried to pick the best of. And then the rest are brand new crafts. Like Emperor Apple, Apple Teen is definitely a new craft. There's a couple of fan-submitted crafts as well, like the uh, Star Wars t-shirt quilt, 
which is a great craft to do if you have a bunch of T-shirts that don't fit anymore or if you have a bunch of shirts that you got as a gift but they just really don't fit or, you know, what have you, you can make those into a quilt. Another craft is the Han and Soapanite where you can make Han Solo trapped in carbonite type soap. That was a fan-submitted craft. So there's some fun stuff in there that fan-submitted as well because I wanted to include them. Obviously, the R2-D2 crocheted beanie was fan-submitted. So there's stuff like that as well. But there's the, quite a few new crafts that people haven't seen before, and I'm, I'm excited to have them try it out. I mean, one of my favorite ones is the uh, At-At Herb Planter, and hopefully people will maybe make little herb gardens out of their At-Ats. There, there's just not enough At-At collectibles out there anymore. Anyway. <laughs> there really isn't. I think I'm going to try to mod that into a mailbox, actually. <laughs> now, for somebody who's not very crafty but likes some of these items, like the Bantha and such, or the crocheted beanie... Is there a certain place where in the book they should start, or should they just try to pick one and jump right in? I mean, there's different sections. We have a playtime. There's a playtime section, so a lot of the puppet crafts, a lot of the doll crafts are in there. There's nature and science sections, so the you know the gardening stuff and things that you can find outside. So if you don't want to go to a craft store and you just want to you know use stuff in your recycling bin and nature's supply store, I guess you could call it. You can make an Ewok face, you know, from sticks and little Ewok applique from felt. I mean. There's some. There's quite a few different routes you can go. There's uh, clothes to make, like if you want to redo a T-shirt to look cooler or, you know, make things out of an old T-shirt other than a quilt. I mean, there's tons of things you can do out of an old T-shirt, like a pillow or rip it up and put it on another shirt and make it look, have it kind of be like punk fashion. There's just lots of things. So I don't think you don't need to start at the beginning. The beginning is good to start because it explains all the craft supplies and where you can get craft supplies on the cheap and why certain things you want to have in your like your craft arsenal, like really sharp scissors for fabric, and you always want googly eyes, you always want a stash of glitter, things like that. But you don't have to start from the beginning. I hope people will just open it up at random and find something that they like and, and get to it. And some of the crafts take a couple hours, some of the crafts take um, half a day, and then there's other more involved crafts that may take, you know, a few weeks to get things done or a week to get things done. But like I said, I wanted to have different levels of crafting skills represented so no one gets bored and there's plenty of stuff to do. Yeah, I opened up the book at random because Random House is nice enough to send us an advanced copy so I could try out some of the things. And awesome. I usually repurpose things like I'm big about buying vintage Star Wars sheets and making them into fashionable purses or I made mm-hmm. a really cool Christmas tree skirt and stockings because our, Chris- our Star Wars Christmas tree didn't have a Star Wars Christmas tree skirt, and I thought it needed one. So I look for that stuff normally. Awesome. And I just open it up at random and pick the Wampa washcloth to make. Mm-hmm. And I have a problem in that my dog keeps stealing the arms. So we <laughs> run into a little bit of an issue every time I try to sit down and sew his little claws on. My dog steals Aww. the arms. So now I think they're yeah. just dog toys. I'm going to have to make another one. <laughs> well, luckily there is a dog toy in the book. So if you want to make him a, a Rhoda dog toy, which is uh, Jabba the Hutt's son, there's a Rhoda squeaky toy in there. And then there's also a mouse droid cat toy because obviously it's a mouse droid. Um, if fans could just make one craft in this book, what would you suggest they do? Hmm. I think the easiest craft in there, obviously there's really easy ones like painted rocks. You know, you just paint something on a rock. But I think the one that I love the most, which actually was the easiest, even though it looks hard and it's not, was the Jabba the Hutt body pillow. And that's just a good way to use up old pillows that you don't want anymore, and you just stack them up to kind of have the silhouette of Jabba the Hutt, sew them together on the sides, and then you drape a green fleece blanket that you can get at Target or pretty much anywhere, 
and sew it onto there and then just cut off excess. And it actually kind of looks like a slug already. And then you just put on felt eyes in the mouth and, and, and you're done. I mean, I think there's also beige material that you can get from an old sweatshirt or blanket or whatever you have lying around that looks like slightly beige for, you know, Jabba's other coloring besides green. And it looks like it's hard, but it really isn't. It's super easy and fleece, like, it's just like fake fur hides really bad stitching. So you don't have to do any fancy kind of whip stitch or anything like that. And that's the most rewarding craft because that's kind of one of those crafts that you can see at a distance in someone's apartment. So if it's sitting on the couch or my dog sleeps on mine. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's another example of a craft that you can do that looks like ex- what I call extreme crafting only because it's an extra large craft. But it's re- really, really simple. Also, the washcloth wampa, the one that you're working on, is it's a fun craft because it's a good way to use up washcloths and towels. And you can make an extra big one out of a towel if you don't want to do a washcloth one. And I'm hoping that when fans look through the craft book, they'll modify the instructions and customize it to fit their own needs and their own favorite characters. So if there's a random, you know, cantina alien that wasn't represented in the cantina finger puppet craft, they can make their own just based off of the basic body shape of the pattern because all the patterns are in the back of the book if you want to, you know, customize it and do your own thing. So I'm hoping people do their own thing, especially like a lot of the holiday crafts. There's a a green action figure wreath that I just put together because I had a lot of broken action figures and I didn't want to throw them out. So I painted them green and uh, twined them onto, you know, a very cheap wreath that you can get anywhere and uh, added glitter and a bow and it became this, you know, fun focal point for the holidays. But I'm hoping like other people will make, you know, a Sith wreath or a droid only wreath or maybe a Darth Vader black wreath for Halloween or, you know, have fun doing different things to these crafts where they can make it their own. Because the whole point of crafting isn't that you make the exact duplicate of what you see in a book. It's that you make it, but make it your own and the fact that you customize it. So if you want, you know, a pink bantha, you can make a pink bantha with pink fake fur. Or if you want, you know, to make Lady Yoda puppets, you can do that. Or, you know, if, if just have fun with it and, and make it your own. But I'm, I'm hoping people will, will find a craft that suits them and, and their needs and what they like to do. And also I hope they'll find a craft that challenges them and maybe they'll do something different if they've never sewed before. You know, they try a sewing craft or if they've never tried, you know, putting something together like a paper mache model, trying to do that for the first time. So I'm pretty excited. Now, Obviously, you've done all of these yourself, and you said a lot of them were listeners submitted. Do you have any stories of ones that you tried to do and didn't make the cut, and you don't know how the people did it or just spe- failed spectacularly? Yeah. my uh, One of my close friends, Terry Hodges, who her husband is Tom Hodges, who's one of our Star Wars artists. She and I do crafts together all the time. It's it's kind of like how we spend time together, and it's just some fun thing that we do in my apartment uh, on a, you know, Saturday night or Sunday or something, we just get together and craft because she's a quilter and she really likes doing crafts. So we decided to do a bunch of different kinds of sock puppets for Maker Fair, which I said before is this fun real life science fair, but it's for kids. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's like Comic Con for really nerdy people that like to do science projects. It's probably the most educational fair you could ever go to and they have them across the country but we have ours in San Mateo right outside of San Francisco and Terry always helps me do a Star Wars craft every year we usually like to do puppets or something super easy because a lot of little kids come to the tutorial and we don't want to make it too complicated so we were thinking about doing sock puppets 
And we were very ambitious and thought we'd do Chewbacca sock puppet. But we didn't want to use fake fur because fake fur, not everyone has that in their house. So we figured we'd use yarn. Well, if you use yarn as hair, it's really hard to get enough yarn where it doesn't look like your Wookiee has balding issues. <laughs> so you probably can imagine what the sock puppet looked like. It looked like it needed Rogaine. I mean, it was, it did not look like a Wookiee. It looked like a brown puppet with really bad hair. So uh, we kind of failed on that one. And then we ended up just doing Ewoks, but without fur. Which is with the hoodie, so it kind of just looked like skinless Ewok puppets, but they're very cute, so we did those. But those are the kinds of things that happen. It's just a lot of trial and error, you know. In your mind's eye, you might see this most, the most awesome, cool craft, and then when you make it, you're like, what happened between A and B? Like it just, <laughs> you just kind of wonder, wait a minute, did I not have the right crafting supplies, or was I just not paying attention while I was watching TV and crafting at the same time? I mean, I've, I've had crafting accidents where I've paper mached things to myself. I've sewed things to my jeans by accident because I wasn't paying attention to sewing. Um, I never use a sewing machine, so I hand sew everything. So there are times when that happens. And then there's times where you have to be careful of your supplies, especially if you have pets. So you don't want to accidentally mix in googly eyes with your dog's snacks or you're going to end up seeing those later in a much more disturbing format. So... (laughs) So you just have to kind of be aware of what you're doing. But, yeah, I've had plenty of craft mishaps where, especially in paper mache, where I thought I knew what I was doing and it ended up looking like a disaster, looked like something out of a, a sci-fi movie from the 50s that just went awry. So, you know, it's, and that's practice. With everything, you have to practice. So I, I hope that people don't get discouraged if they do a craft and doesn't quite turn out the way they want first time around. It just takes practice. Now, one of the other things I like about your book is all of the photography that helps round it out. And you have a lot of pictures of the crafts being placed and such. Like there's a bunch of kids posing with the mounted Ackley head and things. Mm -hmm. How much involvement did you have with the photography? And it looks like some of these photo shoots might have been quite amusing. Oh, yeah. No, Bob Snodgrass is the the photographer. And, you know, Random House has a really great group of art directors and editors, and they really know how to make a book come to life. So there is definitely a group effort. But the photographer and I, uh, we talked a lot about how we wanted to stage things. Um, The art I think it's the art director's kids that are, are shown in the book. And Luckily, I, I think the art director just loved this book so much that he took it upon himself to really kind of just put his kids in the book and do some great things. And the brunette model that looks like she's in her 20s, that's my friend AJ, who also did the Star Wars quilt in the book. And she's a professional model. She used to be a Hot Topic model. So we had some fun with her as well in the studio. So it was very, very much a group effort. And we were all talking to each other and sending pictures back and forth because, you know, random houses based in New York and we're here so we would uh, we're in the Bay Area and so we would constantly send pictures back and forth and say how does this look and so it was very much a group effort which is good it's great that everyone was very hands-on and excited about the book I think it really shows in the pictures and the layout and just the tone of the book it's just a fun community experience in a way I really just love some of them like the one with the Ackley and the pet carrier I think they just add a lot of character yeah and they changed the pet carrier text to be Arabic which I'm not sure what that actually says, but that was just a random thing. I think we, we saw it. it was either the art director saw a pet carrier and just put 
that in there thinking, oh, that'd be perfect, and just went a step further and put Star Wars lingo on the pet carrier. But, yeah, there's some great pictures of kids playing with the puppets. The Wookiee birdhouse is on a fence. Uh, I don't know if they could coax a bird in there to get the perfect picture, but I have a picture on my own uh, website and my Flickr as well of the Wookiee birdhouse with a fake bluebird in it because I thought it looked like the Twitter bird. And I just like the idea of the Twitter bird being eaten by the Wookiee birdhouse, but that's my own thing, so. (laughs) Now, Buzz Online and at conventions has been really big about this book. Did this floor you that people are so excited and waiting for something like this? I mean, people are counting down the days till this comes out. Yeah, no, it's, you know, this book has been in the making for, I would say, two years now, because um, it got pushed back, I think, uh, a couple times because there are other books that were coming out that they wanted to, you know, they change up the timeline sometimes. Publishers do that all the time. And, and quite honestly, I'm a perfectionist, so I kept adding things. And it's funny because when I first submitted the book to Random House, it was a lot bigger. And I think it was because I'm so used to wanting everything in a craft book. I, I'm a huge crafter, so I have a lot of different craft books, and different craft books are my favorites, you know, that I really love it when they put in a ton of, of crafts because you feel like you're getting a lot for your money. So I, I think my original uh, manuscript that I sent to Random House was so much bigger, and it was kind of naive of me to think that a publisher would want <laughs> a really huge craft book because it would probably be way too expensive and that and all that. So uh, you know, it slimmed down to the best crafts that we could possibly present. And because of that, you know, I kept talking about it on Twitter and on my Facebook. And we kept doing, you know, preview articles on StarWars.com of what was to come. And fans just got more and more excited about it, which, of course, is thrilling to me. I mean, that's – I can't wait to see what fans make from the book. And I'm excited to talk to fans at Comic-Con and WonderCon and all the different, you know, Star Wars celebration and all the different places I'm able to actually have face-to-face time with Star Wars fans, and I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled that it's not just um, getting Star Wars fans excited, but just the crafting community in general. So there's a lot of craft blogs that I belong to and a lot of crafting sites that I'm a part of that community, so they're excited as well. So I'm, I'm of course, I'm flattered and, and floored and, and really excited that fans care about this book enough to you know, count down the days. I'm really excited to see what people make. I mean, that's that's the thing I love more than anything is seeing all the different variations of one craft. Um, every time I do the Maker Faire craft tutorial or do something at a convention, I always take pictures of all the crafts that are made just based on that one craft presentation. Um, and I can send you a link of the Yoda finger puppet that I did one year and all the different, you know, Yoda puppets people were making. And they would make it their own. You know, they would customize it a little bit or make it look goofy or, you know, change up the nose or change up the mouth. And there's just so many different variations to do one single Yoda puppet, and it's great to see fans do different things with it. So I'm I'm excited. Is something in your future maybe we're going to be doing tutorials at conventions so people, like, they do the how to draw? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm actually doing a Star Wars craft tutorial at WonderCon this year, which is going to be on that Sunday. So I think it's April 3rd, and that's in San Francisco. I'm hoping to do something at Comic-Con this year. I, we always do a drawing panel at the Sunday of Comic-Con with Katie Cook, um, who's a great artist for kids to follow because her art's very simple and, and whimsical and cute, and so a lot of little kids can follow her instructions very easily. So we'll definitely have a drawing tutorial that's hopefully that Sunday. But I'm hoping that we can do a craft tutorial sometime during Comic-Con as well. So fingers crossed for that. But Maker Fair every year I do a Star Wars craft, so there'll be that, and that's usually in May, and um, that's in the Bay Area. 
And then I'm hoping to go to New York Comic Con this year, and hopefully we'll do a craft there as well. And I may just, you know, pop up and do a craft at some exhibit or something. <laughs> Maybe I'll do free-form craft tutorials. I'll just show up on the street corner somewhere. But we do want to start doing uh, craft videos on the site on StarWars.com as well. So hopefully we can start doing video craft tutorials. So if you want to follow along, you can follow along and watch the video or, and see what I end up making. But I definitely want to do more and more tutorials because it's just fun to see people show up and get excited to make a puppet for the day or, you know, make a pillow or make some fun, easy craft that they can then share with their friends and be excited about. And I always liked that as a kid when I would go to conventions. I could have something that I made or, you know, some sort of takeaway from it other than just getting stuff signed or standing in really long lines to see, you know, a five-minute trailer. So You mentioned how some kids are doing this with their moms and this is really hitting with moms. And it inspired me to think, you know, there's kind of this Star Wars moms movement out there right now, isn't there? With the Her Universe and with the crafts, it just really seems like this is a burgeoning thing about people around our age who grew up having their own kids and kind of doing this stuff with their kids. And it's really strikingly more female at times than male, which kind of goes against the norm. Is this something you're seeing and you think your craft book is tapping into? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that the craft book will tap into dads getting crafty as well. I mean, I think there's a lot of dads out there that want to do stuff with their kids away from the computer, you know, more hands-on and have fun with them as well. But I think moms have always been pivotal in perpetuating the Star Wars fandom because, you know, it's your mom and hopefully your dad as well, but it's your mom usually that would sit down with you and, and make crafts. Or if you saw a cool scarf, you, like, beg your mom to make that or you know, when it came to Halloween, if you didn't want something store-bought, it's usually your mom sewing it <laughs> or putting it together. So I think, you know, people uh, listening to this, they should go and hug their mom or call them and say thanks for keeping my Star Wars addiction alive because there's a lot of parents and a lot of moms that, you know, took their kids to Target to get the latest Star Wars toy and stood in long lines at Celebration so their kids could do stuff. So I think as far as there being a mom movement, I think the mom movement's always been there. But it's probably more relevant now because we're grown up and now a lot of us are moms. So it's probably more important to us now that we have kids to, uh, I mean, not me personally, but a lot of fans out there that are in their 30s and 40s and 20s that have kids and they want to share Star Wars with them for the first time. Crafting is a great way to do it because kids love to get their hands dirty and get glitter glue all over them and put googly eyes on Yoda shapes and things like that. So they're very excited about it. And I think parents just are always looking for a way to show their kids uh, constructive, creative ways to express themselves. And drawing and crafting, those are skills they're going to take with them all the way into adulthood. And they could end up being fashion designers or model makers or architects or, you know, professional artists. I mean, there's so many different routes you can go. And even if they don't go that route, having a creative background helps you in any career. Because it helps you think outside of the box and it helps you think of different solutions and it helps you just like life. <laughs> well, you know, I, I came from very crafty. My mom was very artsy and crafty. My mom was my sci-fi connection and it helps uh -huh. me. I have an IT job and it, the whole crafting process does help with yeah. figuring things out and getting creative with fixes. There's been many times I've had to fix wiring with stuff I have to have laying around and it's a craft project. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the cool thing about the craft process is a lot of times you don't have every single craft supply at your fingertips, you have to make do with what you have. And I think that kind of skill set and that kind of thinking helps you in any job, helps you in anything in life, really. Because, I mean, if 
there's an emergency and you need to think on your feet quickly, that's where that comes from. So I think, you know, I, I know that's a roundabout answer to your question, but I, I definitely think there is a lot more focus, at least right now, about female fans, especially, I think, thanks to her universe, I think thanks to the Clone Wars, because you have major uh, strong female characters coming out of that series. I mean, obviously, Princess Leia was, uh, and Mon Mothma and other characters in the original trilogy were strong female characters. But I think Clone Wars really hits at home with Ahsoka, and you have a lot of female Jedi. You have a lot of female bad characters, you like villains as well, which I think is great. So it's not just, you know, the best villain in Star Wars isn't just Darth Vader anymore. I mean, you've got or a thing as a bounty hunter, you've got, you know, Asajj Ventress, you've got all these different characters that are now represented by women, and it has, you know, a way for little girls to kind of look up to that. And granted, little girls look up to R2-D2, too. I mean, it doesn't have to just be female characters. But I think with her universe really, you know, really reminding fans, especially female fans, that there's merchandise out there just for them, and they're very hands-on and asking for feedback. So a lot of female fans can, you know, suggest things for her universe to make. So I think it's just more obvious. I think also with the little girl Katie that was bullied by her classmates for liking Star Wars, and they didn't think little girls should like Star Wars, and how the fan community came together and said, hey, wait a minute. You know, there's a huge contingency of female fans out there who not only love Star Wars, but just sci-fi in general. So I think that, you know, old stereotype of sci-fi and Star Wars are just for boys is kind of laughable. And I haven't believed that. I've never believed that, you know, that stereotype. But I think even the mainstream is realizing that's just not true. Yeah, I think that Star Wars really has become more of a mainstream family thing. We got a chance to meet Katie up in Chicago at the Clone Wars screening for Savage Press. And mm-hmm. cute little girl, you know, I, I felt really bad. I, I, I never had the same thing. I actually used to play Star Wars on the playground with the little boys because yeah. I knew it just as well as they did. And they were shocked that... I could hold my own against them. But I I think Star Wars has kind of turned and evolved where it's such a big thing and mainstream now that that kind of behavior is baseless and needs to stop. Yeah, and I honestly, I don't think, I hope it's not as widespread as people might think, but I honestly think, uh, to tell you the truth, that it's much more genderless. I honestly uh, don't see that kind of thing as far as, little boys saying little girls can't like Star Wars. I've never even experienced that as far as when I was a kid, I never experienced that, and I never see that at conventions. I mean, I see little girls having lightsaber battles with little boys in line to see screenings. I see that at Celebration. I see it at Comic-Con. So I I think it's much more um, inclusive than a lot of other different franchises, and Star Wars has always been for everybody. I agree. And and same with, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are, religion you are, or where you come from. Star Wars is so universal. I mean, I have friends that travel to the far regions of Egypt or Bali or, you know, the rainforest, and there's always someone there that if they mention Star Wars, they can talk to that person about Star Wars. So it doesn't even, you know, sometimes language barriers don't even matter. So... I, I honestly think that, in a way, Star Wars brings people together as opposed to alienates them. I actually found that boys were more interested in me when I was younger, before I was married. And so it's it's kind of, I think it it's maybe an isolated incident. I think Star Wars really does bind people together, and you can instantly find a bond if you start talking about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I think it's a great icebreaker at parties. Like if you're at a party by yourself and, or you just don't know very many people, uh, you just kind of test out the waters. And sometimes I'll just say a random Star Wars quote to see if anyone gets it. And then that's the way you can <laughs> weed out <laughs> some of the people that aren't worth talking to and then go straight for the nerd contingency, which by the way, I use nerd in a positive way, not in a negative way. Uh, I think we need, I think we need to reclaim that word as a positive thing. So I use it constantly in a positive way. Um, but <laughs> I, I mean, I use that all the time to, you know, I bring up Star Wars just to see who in the room's a fan, and then I'll, because uh, I'm a lazy mingler, so I'll just go right towards my nerd herd <laughs> and talk to them about geeky stuff as opposed to, you know, getting trapped in the Lady Gaga conversation or something. I'd much rather talk about droids than popular culture. So, and in and, and all honesty, Star Wars is popular culture, so it kind of it, it saturates into different mediums and. I probably could hold my own in a Lady Gaga conversation because she's a Star Wars fan too. So I'll just bring it back to what I want to talk about. (laughs) Now, something you mentioned earlier kind of got me thinking. You said how many craft books you have. And I think about, you know, I usually get all of my Star Wars books at Amazon. But for those people who actually go to brick and mortar still, and I do say support your local bookstores where if you have any left, you don't. But where in the bookstore will this book be found? Will it be in the craft section? I know Wookiee Cookies and the others were all in the the sci-fi section with the fiction. Mm-hmm. It really depends on the the store itself. I know that Borders and Barnes and Noble, a lot of times, because I've written other books. I've written two drawing books, and um, I mean, I've written non-Star Wars books as well. But uh, the two Star Wars drawing books, I've found them in the fine art section. I found them in the kids section. I found them in the sci-fi section. I found them in the comic book section. I have found them in places that I wouldn't normally put a kid's Star Wars drawing book. So I think you just kind of have to look. I mean, if you're going to a brick-and-mortar store, the best thing to do is just go to the person who works there and have them look up the book and see if it's there. Because <laughs> the last thing you want to do is spend three hours looking for a book that they don't even have. And if they don't have it, order it or tell them they should get it. You know, I'm not trying to have you be my minions, but <laughs> it would be great if you recommended it and asked for it by name. Um, but yeah, it really depends on the store. Stores, especially chain stores, they have their own protocol of where they put things, whereas mom and pop stores, I think they're better about putting things where you might actually find them. It's just, you know, it's it's their own protocol of where to, to find it. And I've, I've actually seen a lot of my, uh, the drawing books and the craft books at comic book stores. So if you like to go to comic, you know, buy comics at a certain mom and pop comic book shop, they all order their comics from a catalog called Previews, and my craft book was in Previews, so I know that comic book shops have them as well. And Urban Outfitters might be selling them, so fingers crossed if you are getting your hipster outfits. (laughs) You might be able to find it there. I'm not sure, though. I mean, I can't promise anything. I'm hoping that that works out, but we'll never know. I don't know. I, I shop at Urban Outfitters all the time, so the fact that if there's any way I can get one of my books at Urban Outfitters so I can just stand by the book area and just uh, <laughs> I'm cool, I have proof that I'm cool. Um, but, you know, the Klutz books, that uh, the uh, Draw Clone Wars book, that's a Klutz publication, and you can see a lot of those Klutz books in airports. They have their own kiosk, and they have, you know, activities for kids and that sort of thing. So a lot of the times you'll just find books in the weirdest places. We have a gas station here in San Francisco that's like a car wash as well, and they have a sci-fi kids section, and I found my book at the car wash once. That's awesome. And I was just ecstatic. I was so excited for that. And a lot of toy stores will carry, you know, Star Wars drawing books, so hopefully the craft book will be there as well. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a very big supporter of, of, you know, support your mom and pop shops. 
because you never know how long those are going to last. Now, you mentioned your other books, and I think one of them that a lot of people don't know you have written is called Girls Against Girls, Why We mm-hmm. Mean to Each Other and How We Can Change. But I, I've noticed that in the Star Wars community, maybe you can help us and give us some advice, that there has mm-hmm. been some lines in the sand drawn, if you will, about who's a true fan because they don't like the Clone Wars or they like EU and EU is not real. And there's these different factions and it's kind of getting a hatred and kind of yucky in some arenas with this. And I was hoping maybe Mm -hmm. you could give us some advice and maybe make everybody just have a group hug and love each other again and realize it's all so it's okay. Well, it's it's hard to do the group hug thing because everyone's very passionate about their own faction of Star Wars, their own, Thing that they're really into. And I mean, I think this happens, especially online, because uh, on Twitter and Facebook and message boards and comment sections at the end of articles and things like that, people tend to just write off the cuff and say exactly how they feel, but they don't think about things before they start typing. And so you get a lot of like these, you know, Twitter wars or flame wars on Facebook or flame wars on message boards between people that are just arguing things that, you know, it's great that fans are passionate about stuff, but um, when it starts getting into personal attacks and things like that, and that's when it gets kind of sad. But that happens in any franchise. I mean, that happens with DC, that happens with Marvel, it happens with Doctor Who, it happens with Star Trek. I mean, there's just people that love a certain element of the franchise and they want everyone else to love the same things they do or they just uh, want their voices to be heard. And I think it's a little different because with Mean Girls, it's, it's always it's very personal. It's a lot of insecurity attacks and that sort of thing. Not to say that those those things don't happen in the fandom community because they do. The only advice I could give is just know not to take things personally, to know that these movies and books and comics are meant to make you feel great about life and think about life and be inspired to do new things yourself, not to cut others down. So, I mean, if you really hate what's going on in a certain franchise, my advice has always been go start your own. You know, there's nothing stopping you. There's so many great movie-making tools out there that are cheap. Anyone can write a book. Anyone can make their own comic. Anyone can write a screenplay. And I would, you know, really encourage people to do their own thing. You know, if they don't like what's being written or they feel like their franchise has betrayed them or whatever, um, you know, maybe now's the time to be your own George Lucas and, you know, be your own, you know, Ron Berry, be your own Ron Moore, be, be your own Moffat, you know, start your own franchise. And you may be the next big thing that everyone worships and makes crafts about. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the only thing I can say is if, you know, if you hate something, then make something different that you love. But if you really do hate a character or you hate, you know, the way, you know, something's going on in, in Star Wars or Clone Wars or in the comics or what have you, just know that you're, you know, it's okay to criticize a thing, but to criticize another fan for liking that thing is kind of silly because everyone has different opinions and everyone should be allowed to like and, and dislike what they want. But, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard thing to tackle because fans love to argue. And I think sometimes they just love to argue. I don't even think it's about being right. I think they just like the discourse. So that's a hard one. So I have one last question for you. Of course. And it is a very polarizing question and perhaps Uh-oh. your answer. Uh, <laughs> your, your, the previous question kind of played on that. Who shot okay. first, Han or Greedo? I have a theory that R2 did it, but that's not kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had to wait outside. Yeah, but there's windows. <laughs> 
That's a whole sniper JFK theory. Um, <laughs> a magic blaster bolt. Exactly. We don't really know what Chewie was doing off camera. You know, I like either answer. I mean, I like either theory fits how I feel about Star Wars because I think that the original trilogies will always be my favorite, like the unaltered, um, un, you know, not so special edition, I guess I should call it. But I also like so many things from the special edition that I just can't answer. I'm just going to say R2-D2 did it from an open window. <laughs> he was bored. He couldn't go in for a drink, and he just, you know, he and C-3PO were goofing off outside, and he just shot by accident. I think the coolest thing is if you uh, watch those commercials, the uh, Adidas commercials, the Adidas commercials, as we pronounce it here in the States, uh, for Star Wars, there's a great cantina scene with uh, Beckham and Snoop Dogg and Windows from Fanboys. I mean, you've got all these different actors and musicians. I think Daft Punk is in it as well. And there's a great who shot first scene in that commercial that I think answers all your questions. So just watch that commercial. Not to put a plug in for Adidas, but, you know, it's a great cantina commercial, so. I like both. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, and I'm not just doing the company line. I actually do love both. I love unaltered stuff, and I love, uh, and I don't call them fixes. You know, I just call them another version. And I appreciate, you know, Luke is going through and, and making changes that he wants to make. Because that's the thing. It's, it's his sandbox, and we all get to play in it. And if he wants to, to have things different, then that's just another take. To me, it's like there's multiple takes of everything I love. And uh, it's great to see things change, but also you still have that memory of, of what it was before. You know, it's not like we get memory wipes. We get to, we get to be R2-D2. We get to remember everything. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's a hard question. I, personally, I guess I could say that I root for Han because I root for Han in anything. But I do kind of feel sorry for Greedo. Especially if you watch Robot Chicken, Star Wars specials, you yeah. see backstories of the Wampa and all these characters that you forgot about. The janitor at the Death Star probably had the worst job ever. You know, it's just... <laughs> you never looked at Ponda Baba the same way again. Exactly, exactly. So when you when you think of all these other pop culture references to these characters, uh, you kind of have to think of, of what their jobs were like and what their backstories are like and all the stuff that they had to deal with. And as much as we love the main characters, you know, there's a whole galaxy full of other characters that had to put up with this stuff. So what's their backstory? So, that, I mean, that's another the reason why I love EU, why I love comics, because you get a little glimpse of these characters and their backstories, and however temporary the backstory may be, at least it's interesting for the time being, so it's it's that kind of thing that I love, so I don't know. I should have put more craft in for obscure characters. Maybe if we do another craft book, it'll just be all obscure character craft book. That'd be great. And I was happy you showed Jar Jar some love, because I love Jar Jar, and I don't think there's enough Jar Jar things out there. There's a lot of people that love Jar Jar. I, I don't think it's just little kids. I think there's, uh, you know, there's a growing contingency of 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 bank mania I, you guys are gonna have to come up we're gonna have to come up with like a cool catchphrase for fans of jar jar <laughs> jar jar right i don't know i have to think of something cool but yeah there, i find a lot of fans are excited about jar jar and i did put the the jar jar mind trick doll it was originally gonna be a voodoo doll but i didn't want it to be mean i wanted there to be positive vibe doll in there too so if you don't like Jar Jar, you can make a Jar Jar voodoo doll. If you like Jar Jar, you can make it a positive mind trick doll. I mean, you can you can change it up as, however you want. But I did want a Jar Jar craft in there because, you know, you got to show him some love too because there's lots of fans who love him. Mm-hmm. There are. Now, I know the Star Wars craft book isn't out yet, but we're always looking towards the next thing. Do you have any other books in the work? 
Uh, I actually, I don't. Um, I was doing a lot of books at once, and I think my mind started to melt a little. Um, <laughs> it was going by way of the Death Star. But no, I, I'm always looking for the next craft project. I'm hoping to do another craft book for a different franchise, but um, it's just all about wooing the right people and hopefully bribing them and nagging them enough to let me do something different. Um, I'm always looking forward to doing more Star Wars books. Uh, it's it's kind of a happenstance thing. Sometimes book projects just sort of come to me, and other times I have to work at a pitch for, you know, a couple years at a time and just nag, 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 and whine, 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 and squeak, 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 and hopefully someone says, oh, yeah, just let Bonnie do that. So <laughs> it's, you know, and that's kind of the advice I give to a lot of you know, writers that come up to me who aren't published yet and say, wow, how'd you do this book? How'd this happen? As I say with everybody, you just, if you've got a great idea and you want to do it, you know, write up a great pitch, usually a one-page proposal, have a table of contents, um, do your research and see what other books are out there like yours that would be your competition, see how they did, and get to know a publisher really well. Um, if you love everything Chronicle Books puts out, you probably know what their tone is like. Same with Del Rey or, you know, Simon & Schuster or even, you know, smaller imprints like Quirk. You know, if you like the Pride and Prejudice and Vampires books, you know, you know that Quirk does quirky things, hence the name of their imprint. But just get to know a publisher really well and what they like to publish and then just, you know, go to book fairs or, you know, if there's an email freelance, you know, fact where you can submit queries and submit ideas. Lucas doesn't work quite that way because we don't submit out, you know, we don't accept outside ideas, but you can go to the publishers and say, hey, this is a great idea. You know, what do you think? Get published in magazines first so you have some cred as a writer or go to blogs, do your own blog. You know, there's there's plenty of, of ways for writers to get started. But the, the biggest hurdle is to just start writing. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing that always bugs me when I have uh, friends that are like, oh, I could have written that book. It's like you could have, but you didn't. <laughs> and it's not that you didn't have the skill. It's that you just didn't put the time and effort into it. So I think a lot of it's about just writing and, you know, having your friends look at your writing, accepting, you know, constructive criticism, keep practicing, practicing putting them on blogs, you know, putting it on your own blog, submit it for free. I mean, writers aren't a rich bunch of people. You know, a lot of our writing is done for free. A lot of it's done on the cheap and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay that you're not going to be, you know, Stephen King right out the bat. <laughs> and you have to, like, know that you've got dues to pay and that sort of thing. So that's kind of a roundabout answer of do I have any new projects coming up? But I always like to give advice to new writers because I always wanted it when I was a writer and I never got any good advice. So hopefully that helps people. And I want to see more great books out there. So because I'm a total, total bookophile. I have books and piles and piles of books in my apartment and comics, so I always love to see new writers get out there. But hopefully I'll have some more book projects in the works, and you guys will want to interview me again. Well, great. Well, Bonnie, thank you for coming on to the show this time. This has been a great conversation, and we do really love the book. And, in fact, Marjorie's going to be doing a craft a week on our show for a while. To Oh, my God, that's so exciting. I'm so excited to see what you guys make because I uh... – I always want to see what uh, how people change it up a little bit. Yeah, I always mod the stuff. I'm never like not that it's not great. I'm always never I'm never satisfied. And I'm like, oh, I could do this instead or do that. Yeah, that's how I am with crafts too. Hopefully, your dog won't eat all your projects before you get them done. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I'm gonna have to. Just so you know, though, I am working on a brand new craft 
and it's a Sarlacc dog bed. <laughs> oh, so it's like the Sarlacc pit. Uh-huh. And it's got all the tentacles, so it's like a like all the different spines and things are plushy. And then I'm making a little Boba Fett helmet as a pillow. Aww. So it's like a lost Boba Fett helmet in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of dog you have, but I have like a medium-sized dog, so I'm hoping that... I have two mutantly large chihuahuas. Oh, okay. So that would be perfect. That's, I would like to do pet crafts because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of us out there who don't have kids, but we have plenty of pets and we want to spoil them with Star Wars. So exactly, you have to spoil your fur babies. <laughs> so I will send you that craft, and hopefully you can make that too. But oh, cool. uh, yeah, definitely. That's that's my next that's my next extreme craft. Is that great? And our listeners can just come back to SWActionNews.com each week, and Marjorie's going to be trying these out and seeing. You know, we'll report on our successes and our failures. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, please post your failures, too, because I always find those amusing. Yeah, I might start sad. doing that as well. <laughs> I, I have a whole box of crafts that they look like the Island of Misfit crafts. It's just it's just wrong. There's just some wrong stuff going on there. So I might start posting those on the Star Wars blog just to give people hope that they don't have to make something perfect right away. Yeah, that, that would help because Cake Rex really doesn't make me – it makes me feel better about things I have made, so – I love that blog. I always actually want some of those cakes in the Cake Rec blog just because they're so – they did a whole thing on Chewbacca cakes that went wrong that was just hilarious. And one of those cakes I actually would eat. I would actually be proud to have that at my birthday. So <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of weird that way, so, you know. That's okay. We're all different. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, thank you so much for talking with me. I, I hope that you enjoy the book and that your uh, your listeners enjoy the book too. Thanks again to Bonnie Burton, and as we mentioned in our last show, we were given by Delray some Star Wars craft kits that they were handing out at C2E2, celebrating the craft books release that we're giving away to some lucky listeners, and the winners this week are Raider Mitch, I Heart Ewoks, and Darth Smee. So congratulations to you three, and to claim your prize, just drop me, Arnie C, a PM in the forums with your shipping information. We'll get these craft kits out to you, and we're giving away five more craft kits this week. We're going to do this again as a forum thread giveaway this time. The forum thread is called I'm Really Crafty versus just I'm Crafty. And what we want you to do, we're inspired by some of the people is just post a picture of any kind of Star Wars creation you've done. It could be Star Wars stick figures. It could be knitting. It could be anything at all. Just post a picture of some Star Wars craft you've had a hand in making to be entered to win one of these kits from Del Rey. And remember, Bonnie's book is out tomorrow, Tuesday, so check your local bookstores or use the link from the Star Wars Action News homepage to get it from Amazon. And that's our show for this week. Thanks to Bonnie Burton for joining us. We really enjoyed the interview. I know. I can't wait to do some more of these crafts. We'll be bringing a craft a week for the next few weeks so we can tell you our successes and our failures. Yes. So we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News book club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. 
We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com, HansHideout.Blogspot.com, and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced, and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2011, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. In case you're not aware, Justin spends more of Arnie's money than Arnie does, I think. I think Justin has the time to go to just as many stores. And he has more Walmarts and Targets and other kinds of stores in his area. I'm forever seeing Arnie texting, I need this, I need that. Oh, yeah, pick that up for me, too, with Justin. I think you're overselling it a little as I've picked up more for Justin than Justin has for me. Oh, I didn't say anything about that. That's his wife's business. I'm just saying you and Justin have an issue. Uh, Stowers.com. Yeah. I like how I say Stowers.com like it's pronounced (laughs) C-A-L-M. I don't know why. Uh, But, yeah, the site uh, is 